When wine is on trial, the gossip is dishy. The judges are drunk. Wasted. The verdicts are random. So random. This is True Crimes Against Wine. Okay, as a teenager, when you watched Lord of the Rings, the film version. Yeah. Did you find Mary and Pippin strangely attractive? No. Did you? <laughs> no. Why would you even bring that up, Rachel? That's so weird. Hello, and welcome to another episode of... True Crimes. Against Wine. Ooh. So we are back for the new year. We are revisiting a varietal that we've done before, but it's a new wine, and I'm very excited to share today. I am excited, too. The bottle is gorgeous. This is probably the prettiest bottle we've ever had. Yes, and I'm keeping this bottle. Or you can keep it, but the bottle's not getting thrown out. Yeah, (laughs) and we'll get into that in a second. Yes. But today we are doing a Cabernet Sauvignon. Ooh. And pop quiz. Yes. I'm curious to know if Yes, you, I've had it before. I've had if you remember. Um, do I remember? No. <laughs> quiz done. Do you remember what blend of, or not blend of grapes, but what the hybrid grape is for Cabernet Sauvignon? The two different grapes. Oh, of that. course. It's the... Uh, it's in the name. I will tell you that. Cabernet. That is that is what we're drinking. Yes, I got it. But there are two grapes that were basically I mean, there together are at least two grapes worth of juice in this bottle. So, (laughs) yes, Sauvignon Blanc is one of them and Sauvignon Noir and Cabernet Franc. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. (laughs) It's Cabernet Sauvignon. (laughs) Oy vey. I think it's really cute that you think I remember. You get onto me so much, though, when we revisit something that's celebrity fact-wise. Of course. I don't remember. Because that stuff is easy to remember. <laughs> so, the other day, I was in the car with my mom, Barbara Ann, and she was, she's made, like, an offhand comment about me being a wine expert, and I was like, what? That's so She's funny. like, yeah, because of the podcast. I'm like... No, I genuinely don't understand, and I don't remember anything that Topher tells me. She's like, you're not putting it on for the podcast? I'm like, no. No, I am not. (laughs) I love that she thinks that this is all like a scripted acting show. Yes. I remember that one time back in the first season (laughs) where she asked you, like, who writes... What, she, what did she say? Something about, like, who writes the script Yeah, and then she asked us, like, how long it takes to memorize... (laughs) Which I love that she thinks that we're capable of doing that. Same, especially while we're drinking wine. Right. (laughs) So right off the bat, I'm just going to say I've got the wine sitting on my lap and it is so fragrant. I can smell so much from it from right I'm a little stuffy. I can't really smell. I can smell when it's up close. Oh my God, it smells so good. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. It's not rancid. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, no. What if we open a bad bottle one time? Well, I'm Would not, you make us do it? I'm not going to tell you that it's a bad bottle. I'm just going to make you drink it. <sighs> Good luck with my barfs later. <laughs> it won't make you sick. I'm getting some plum and deep red cherry. Oh, yeah. Deep red cherry. Like, not maraschino cherry. Like, yeah. rich, vibrant. You know what I'm getting the most? Mm. Chocolate. Oh. Like, I'm getting cocoa nips for days. For days. For days. <laughs> Mm, it smells so good. I want a candle that smells like this. Oh, yeah. Now, I've seen candles where they use, like, an old wine bottle to make the candle. Oh, but I've yeah. never seen, like, a wine 
specifically like wine scented candle. I have, and they never They're get it right. Good. Oh, yeah. Like a vineyard should get on that, right? Vineyards. Do it, but it's, for some reason, I, well, I don't think that they're the ones who are actually doing it. They're like yeah, outsourcing. They outsource that to somebody yeah. else. Okay. Well, can we sip it? Yeah, let's taste. Okay. Oh, mm. it's lighter tasting than it smells. Yes. Okay. It smells very deep and heavy, and it's actually, <clears throat> I would say, more of a medium body. Okay. Yeah, I like it. What are you getting on the taste? Is it matching the smell? Let me taste it again. Yeah, I'm getting the cherry in the taste. The cherry for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not getting the cocoa yeah. at all. Are you in the taste? A little bit. A little bit? Okay. Interesting. Now, do you did you learn anything about this particular brand of wine? I did not. Okay. I have some information on the back. That, that part, I think, is kind of glued down. Yeah, so I'm going to read a little bit about the back. Okay. So this is from Manos Wine. Mm-hmm. Manos Wine is a labor of love from start to finish. Our esteemed winemakers carefully select the best grapes from California. The wine is aged and finished to perfection, mm-hmm. where it is sent to our skilled artisans who deep etch and paint every bottle by hand. Ooh. Each bottle is a unique work of art that yourself or someone you love will be able to cherish forever. I love that, that this is hand etched and painted. Yeah, it's such a pretty bottle. So this is from Manos Wines. This was definitely one of those successful targeted Instagram ads. (laughs) How much was it? I want to say like around 2025. Wow, that's good. Super cheap, but not super expensive either. Because, I mean, you are also kind of paying for the bottle you're paying for the bottle you are paying for the bottle and they do a lot of these kind of pop culture celebrity things so mm-hmm. they they definitely know me yeah <laughs> my instagram has been listening to the podcast so do you want to reveal who the yes. wine is and then we'll talk about the, the etching on the bottle yes so this is their lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring wine bottle yes and the etching is so pretty i'll let you describe it so the etching is from the scene where they go into the mines of moria Mm -hmm. and gandalf opens up the secret door so it's the etching of that secret door yes and the bottle is like this very dark glass bottle and the etchings again are actually cut into the bottle so Mm -hmm. it's really pretty and it's like this light blue paint that puts over it so it looks kind of like it's glowing to mimic that visual from the film it's it's really stunning it's even got the elvish it does i would read but i don't read elvish you told me you learned it for this episode tiffer i lied well the cross-examination is all in elvish oh no (laughs) wouldn't that be incredible if i could pull that off (laughs) i would be so impressed with you i would too i'd be impressed with me too (laughs) Yes, let's let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so I'm curious, are we putting Lord of the Rings on trial today, or are we putting J.R.R. Tolkien on trial, or both? Let's do both. Okay. Because I researched both. So okay. Why not? Yeah. Perfect. So tell me what you know about Lord of the Rings, or like how you first came to be aware of it, learn about it. So I first became aware of it actually as a young teenager mm. when the movies came out. Okay. And it was a family tradition to go every year yeah. and see the new movie. And then I got every year for my birthday when it would come out the special edition DVDs. 
Fine. That had all the bonus material and stuff, yeah. which I loved. I was such a nerd about it. Yes. I love Lord of the Rings so much. And okay. then I I read the books okay. as a result. Okay. I have to say, the books are a difficult read. Yeah. They're not, it's not like a C.S. Lewis kind of read. No, yeah. Tolkien is a much more complex author than C.S. Lewis. Yes. They're actually buddies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, when I lived in England, I spent some time in Oxford. Fine. And I would go to the Eagle and Child where they used to host their debates. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they had their little group, the Inklings, mm -hmm. which is such a fun name. That is really cute. Yeah. So you got into the films first then, and then got into the books afterward. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have a, a favorite character or book? I love for you? I love the elves. So okay. any of the elves are my favorites. I love Legolas. Galadriel is queen. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Such an icon. <laughs> Such a gay icon. Galadriel. I mean, Kate yeah. <laughs> Arwen is great, yeah. of course. Yeah. Nice. I first, I think, learned about Lord of the Rings as a very small child. Because my mom had several cats named after different characters. That's hilarious. <laughs> From oh, the Hobbit, Barbara Lord of the Rings. Cats. Yeah. We had Shelob the cat. I love that. And we had a Gandalf cat, too. <laughs> I don't know her reasoning behind picking certain names from the books versus other names, but... That's really funny, though. I yeah. love Shelob. Shelob was a sweet cat. <laughs> she was a really nice kitty. <laughs> but then I read the Hobbit book book and I think I'd watched the 70s Hobbit cartoon as a kid mm. and then of course when the films came out 2001 through 2003 because they came out around Christmas time too so it was always that thing of go with your family to watch the films yeah. in the theater and they're such fun movies yeah too. Now, how old were you when you read The Hobbit uh, like middle school age okay and The Hobbit's an easier read than it the is, Lord of the Rings but books. not it's still so I, I laugh every time I think about this, but he got his son to do the first review of The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. And his review was that it was a, a fun adventure story for ages six to seven. And I'm like, I can't imagine being a seven-year-old and I'm like reading, reading The, the Hobbit. Hobbit. Yeah. And I was an advanced reader. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but not when you're in like first grade, like, mm -hmm. let me crack open this intense novel right. and try to get through it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about Tolkien first or the Lord of the Rings first? Let's or talk intersperse about, them? Oh, let's intersperse them. Okay, yeah, that not? sounds good. Let's yeah. start with Tolkien, though. Okay. Do you know J.R.R. Tolkien? Do you know what his name stands for? Jason. Uh-huh. Richie Roy. Yeah. Actually, oh, wait. Or was it? It's Roy Richie. Roy Richie. Take okay. a step. <laughs> No, his name was John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. Ruel? Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? R-E-U-E-L. It's like a Germanic oh. name. Because Tolkien is a Germanic last name. Okay. So Tolkien actually went mostly by Ronald throughout his life. Interesting. Yeah. I was like, hmm, okay. Ronald McDonald. Exactly. And he also found in McDonald. I thought so. Yeah. Your instincts were right. <laughs> I love a literary burger. Yum. Wouldn't that be fun, though? Like, a whole literary-themed restaurant? Yeah. Especially a fast food place mm -hmm. where you're just, like, zipping in and out. I love it. We should start one. We should. I feel Based like there's on... enough nerds. Tolkien. Okay. <laughs> Stick it with Tolkien. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything either. That's why I threw it to you. Ernest Hemingway. Mm. That's just alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> That's just alcohol. <laughs> so he was born January 30th of Capricorn. Mm-hmm. 
1892 in South Africa. It was like an English colony in South Africa. Colonizers. Yep. His family was English, so they moved back to England when he was three. It was kind of sad. He and his mom and his younger brother, Hillary. I love when people are named Hillary that are not female. It's like Ashley and like Hillary. I'm like, because in my mind, those are such preppy girls' names. Yeah. But they're actually like old-fashioned dudes' names. But yeah, it always throws me off. They were in England visiting family, and his dad was going to come over a little bit later, but his dad actually died. So his family ended up like living with extended relatives for a while. So it was just his mom, Ronald, and his little brother. His mom converted to Catholicism. She got super into Catholicism, converted, and that was not the thing at the time. Yeah. And Tolkien was actually a very devout Catholic throughout his life, too. I did know that he was Catholic. I didn't know he was a devout Catholic. Yeah, he was, like, super into being Catholic. Hmm. His mom actually died when he was only 12 years old. She had type 1 diabetes, and insulin hadn't really been discovered. Yet, so she she's only in her mid thirties when she died. Damn. Yeah. So he and his brother basically became orphaned very young and were wards of a priest. So he was raised in this religious household, but he was also always very intellectual and into reading and literature and languages. At one point, he and his nieces had come up with their own invented language when they were children. But, you know, like most kids might invent a language and it's like just a couple of words. Like they actually committed to it. And yeah. he was like, this is my jam. This is what I really love to do. That's amazing. Yeah. So he was like always super into languages and literature from a young age. When he was 16, he met a woman who was a th- three years older than he was. Scandal. Mm. And who was Protestant. Mm. Her name was Edith Mary Brat. What a brat. What a brat. And the priest who was his guardian was like, I don't want you talking to her anymore. You're too young. You're too into her. So I'm forbidding you to talk to her again until you're 21 years old. So he kept to that, except the night before his 21st birthday, he wrote her a letter basically saying, like, I'm still really into you. I want to marry you and, like, mailed it off. Ooh, a scandalo. Scandal. But then, like, I mean, the next day he was 21. So by the time it was actually in the mail, it was fine or whatever. She, when she got the letter... She was actually engaged to another guy <gasps> at the time. But she saw his letter and she was like, okay, technically I'm engaged, but I still have feelings for you. I just thought you weren't interested anymore because you hadn't talked to me at all in these years. So let's meet up and see if we feel anything for each other. So they met up and they were like instantly like, we're still in love. We're going to be together Aww. forever. She was also orphaned as well. And like raised by extended family. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like we'll be our own family. How about that? So they ended up getting engaged and she broke off the engagement with the other guy. His family was like, I know. So was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Why? And her family was not happy that Tolkien was a Catholic and she converted. Oh, wow. For him too. And they were like not happy about this. My cousin married a Catholic and it was a big deal. Oh, was it a big deal? Because Catholics aren't real Christians. Mm -hmm. Is that the idea? See, I never They're idolaters. Oh, because all the icons and saints. And saints, yeah. Yeah. Which to me, saints are just fun. (laughs) I'm my own patron saint. Exactly. My grandma was Irish Catholic and I would sometimes go to mass with her and like, I didn't really get it. But I was like, you know, this saint thing... It's kind of cool. It's like you kind of have magic powers a little bit. Right. But you're still a human. I was like, I could get into that. 
So fact checker is half Jewish and half Catholic. Mm -hmm. And his, on both sides actually. Yeah. But his father made him go to mass up until his confirmation Mm. as basically what we Baptists would call fire insurance. Yeah. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Which meant like, wouldn't God see through that? And That's say, what no. I always thought. No. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like, if you don't but, really mean it, then God's not going to be like, well, technically. But also, I'm going to probably get a lot of flack for this, <gasps> but I was raised to think that Catholicism was kind of like that in general, just because oh. all you had to do was confess. Oh, oh. And it's and like then, a get out of jail free card. Yeah. Mm. Versus in Protestantism, you have to actually repent. Well, the idea behind confession is that you are sorry. <laughs> it's not just saying it. I mean, you usually have to do some sort of penitence. Yeah, but you could kill somebody and have a few Hail Marys, right? Well, you actually have to be sorry for it, too. So you couldn't just off your husband and then go to confession and... No, you have to mean it when you say you're sorry to her. Just like with other branches of Christianity. If you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry, you have to mean it. But I did the Hail Marys. <laughs> Topher, that's not how it works. <laughs> Damn, I thought I could convert and off my husband. Tolkien has a few things to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has more than a few things to say to me. He's very long-winded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not known for getting to the point. <laughs> <laughs> so after he and Edith got married... They got married in 1916, right? So this is in the mm. midst of World War One. Wow. He was studying at Oxford at the time, and there was a lot of pressure for young men to just automatically enlist, and he didn't. He wanted to finish his studies first. So he finished his studies, but then there was, like, a lot of family pressure, like, you have to join up and fight for England and da-da-da-da-da. So he did join the Army. He became a lieutenant. A lieutenant. Yes. He served in France in the trenches, and it was really bad. Yeah. He actually got kind of injured and ended up leaving their front lines, which was probably for the best. I was going to say, that's in the, he was one of the lucky ones. Then. I know. How he got injured was because there was so much lice during the trenches. There's no way for you to avoid disease when you're, like, basically stuck in a hole in the ground right. with other people. So there was, like, this terrible lice infestation, and he got lice, and then he got sick from the lice. I didn't know lice could carry a specific disease. I guess it makes sense, though. It does make sense, because well, it's like wait, a bloodborne. Is, isn't that how one of the plagues happened, was the lice that was on the rats? Mm, yes, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> this is why I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but I guess in my modern eyes, I think of lice as a nuisance and gross. Yeah, yeah. But not something that could land you in the hospital. Did you ever have lice? I don't, mm, I don't know if I did or if there were other girls in like my Girl Scout troop who did. Because we had like a sleepover one time and then one of the parents was like, oh, my kid has lice. I remember like my mom like putting a bunch of shit in my hair mm. when I was little. But I don't know if that was because any lice were found in my hair or if it was just preventative. I never, I never had lice, but I did, ha- we would have lice checks mm. in my elementary school. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. It was like ASMR because they put on oh. those like, rubber glove things and, and like, they go through with the comb. The little comb, yeah. yeah. I loved it. Really? Yes. I was like, it's lice check day. Yes. You're such an odd child. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever do that with fact checker? Like, lice check. Lice check. <laughs> like, run the little lice come through his hair. He would love it too, probably. I mean, it's you very could just, like, buy a cheap lice comb and do it for him. <laughs> Get him that for Christmas next year. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so Tolkien ended up leaving the front lines and was basically, the war was over at that point after he 
was like homesick recovering. He never had to fight on the front lines after that. Mm-hmm. So they had their first child in the midst of this. Their first child was John, born in 1817. Named after the daddy. Yeah. Johnny Jr. And Tolkien decided that he was really going to pursue like this kind of literary path for himself. So he first got a job after the war ended working for the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh, how fun. Yeah, which is so cool. He got there. OED action. I know. And he was also working on translations for Beowulf, which his translation wasn't published until 2014. I don't know why it took so long for it to be published. Well, he was working on it for a very long time. He, after his death, too. Yeah. He's like, I'm not mm-hmm. done. And he translated Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, too. Oh, I think that I read that in high school, yeah. his translation of yeah. it. Yeah, isn't that cool? It is really cool. But he was, like, super into Beowulf. And he kind of transformed how a lot of literary critics viewed Beowulf at the time. Really? It's more of kind of like from this, oh, it's just a silly monster story. It's like, no, this is actually saying more about the human condition and fighting good against evil and da-da-da-da-da. So he kind of elevated what a lot of people thought about it. Interesting, because I I guess I only know his version of it then, because that's how it was taught to me. Yeah, he became a professor at Oxford, and when he would give lectures on Beowulf, like, he would walk into the the lecture totally silent, and then just start speaking really loudly in old English to get everybody's attention. But a lot of former students said, oh, he really made it come alive for them. Yeah. Which I think is cool. Can you imagine having one of these literary literati mm-hmm. <laughs> as your professor? Like I know. having C.S. Lewis or J.R.R. Tolkien as your professor. That'd just, be so cool. It blows my mind to think that like I could go to what is it? I don't remember if it's Minnesota or Wisconsin, but the university there and have Neil Gaiman be my mm-hmm. creative writing professor. Right. Like, what? like what? How? <laughs> That's allowed? <laughs> like what? That's a thing you can do. That's a thing you can do. But also, would you ever like, I don't think I'd ever get any papers written. Because I'd be like, it's not good enough. Oh, I it's would. It's not good enough. I think I'd be the person who like writes a sentence and, like, nope, delete. And then start again and be like, delete. And I'm like, Rachel, you haven't done any work. I'm like, I can't. It's not going to be good enough. Do you enjoy writing like that? Academic writing? Or, or like creative. creative writing? I like academic writing more than creative writing. How about you? I like creative writing. Okay. So what we can do is pose as one student. Ooh. Ooh. And we'll just do a little switcheroo all the time. Are we going to go in with an oversized trench coat? Absolutely. Like one day I'm on your shoulders, the next day you're on my shoulders? Yes, we're a really tall person. <laughs> But we're inconspicuous because of the trench coat and that. Or is it a situation where I'm like behind you with my arms through the sleeves? <gasps> yes, improv style. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just a hunchback. Ignore the giant lump. <laughs> giant lump? You're a say, full-size human. I would say very lithe and my svelte. svelte lump. <laughs> Did we just create a new character? I think we did. Okay. <laughs> How's the wine? Delicious. Okay, you getting any new tastes? Smells? I'm still, the smell is just still so chocolatey. I'm not getting the chocolate, but again, it's I'm a little congested, so who knows? And my nose just is not great. <laughs> smells anyway. I am getting more chocolate on the palate now. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, almost like chocolate-covered cherries. Ooh. Yeah. This is a very plush wine. This is a good cold weather winter wine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say take this to a barbecue no. outside during the summer. No. But for fall or winter, this is delightful. Yeah. I like, would drink this next to a roaring fire on a bearskin rug. Oh. 
And you're a little Not hot. real bear skin, though, because we don't want to hurt the forest puppies. Okay. Even though they'll hurt you. Well. I mean, that's their job. That's their job. Yeah. They're just, they're just being good boys. That's right. Good just boys scratch them. Honestly, I think it is horrible that some animals that look so cute and cuddly are actually not. It's really unfair. It really is. Like, why can't I go up and just, like, cuddle with a jaguar? Oh, my God. Right? Here it's purrs. Yes. I'm so jealous of people who work at those big cat sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. Not the, not like. Not the shitty King. ones. Yeah, let's be real. Yeah, but like the actual, actual sanctuaries. Yeah. Have you seen the TikTok where they do the nose boops on like yes. the big cats? I want to do that. I want to do that so bad. Anytime I come across one, I share it with Fact Checker because he loves it too. Yeah. I just want to like cuddle big fluffy animals. Mm-hmm. But I don't want them to maul me. Yeah, well, that would not be ideal. Not the ideal experience. But like tigers, how mm-hmm. they have that pooch thing that happens underneath their, their chin that yes. goes down. I just want to like, like shake it. Yes. Rattle it. Squeeze it. Yeah. It's like when cats get that little fat belly, you just want to yeah. like lop it back and forth. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> this is not a Tiger King podcast. It is not. Well, not today anyway. Not today. Not until he comes out with the wine. Oh, God. I can only imagine the toilet wine he would create. But we would have to drink it. Would we? We would. Yes, I would definitely drink it. Not winking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so while he was at Oxford, he taught there for a long time until he retired in 1959. So he taught there for 30-something years, basically. They had other kids. So John was born in 1917. They had Michael, born in 1920. Christopher, born in 1924. Christopher's the one who did the review. Christopher, yeah, was like kind of the literary legacy of his dad. And then Priscilla. Priscilla Presley? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's true. She's born in 1929. He started writing stories for his children. That's kind of how The Hobbit came about. Mm. Because he was writing these stories for his, his kids to enjoy. And he would always write them around Christmas time, letters from Father Christmas. And all oh, these that's things like cute. that. So I think Tolkien just having been into like languages and literature from a young age of his own and then got his family into it is really sweet. That's very cute. Yeah. And, sweet. and that's how we got Lord of the Rings. Let's yeah. talk about Lord of the Rings. Let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Okay. So he published The Hobbit. The Hobbit was published in 1937. And again, that was kind of something that originated as a story for his children. But then he published it. It was pretty successful. So his publisher said, hey, we want you to write a sequel to The Hobbit. And he said, okay, but I write slowly. So you're going to have to be patient. And they're like, that's fine. So that's when he started writing The Lord of the Rings. Those came out in three volumes from 1954 to 1955. So almost 20 years after The Hobbit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it took a while. So we have The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King, which is the, the three Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. books. He also published a series of poems called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil is a character who appeared in The Lord of the Rings. That came out in 1962. And then The Silmarillion, which was kind of his original world creating for like Middle Earth mm-hmm. and all these things. That wasn't published until after his death in the late 70s. His son Christopher oh, okay. published that because he never went back and finalized editing though. So that was something his son Christopher did. Okay. And those were mostly kind of poems again. And kind of this epic poetry kind of tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had the Silmarillion, but I never read the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Again, it was very... 
That's something I never read hefty. through. I'm not a big poetry person. I'm not general. either. Mm -hmm. It takes a very special type of poetry to like mm -hmm. grab me. But I did have an encyclopedia oh. to Middle Earth. Okay, nice. And when I was a kid, and I would pour over that thing. I loved it because it would tell you all of the background of the lore. Yeah. And That's cool. Yeah, it was really interesting. Well, something that was interesting that Tolkien did when he published the Lord of the Ring books was that he included, like, appendices in each book that kind of went into some of these backstories as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's cool that, like, you liked that encyclopedic version of it. Yeah. And I think... In some ways, even though that's maybe a little bit more esoteric and, like, kind of nerdy to, like, the stories are kind of shorter and smaller in some ways, so they're easier to get through yeah. than, like, a whole big-ass book. Well, it would tell me the background of things that I really wanted to know about because I loved mm. his his world creation and world yeah. building. Yeah. Like, learning that Gandalf was basically the equivalent of an angel. Mm-hmm. That had been sent and there were other ones yeah as well and yeah. things like that was just always really interesting to me yeah yeah i think i think that's fine mm -hmm. so let's kind of go over the basic plot of the lord of the rings act one go set the scene <laughs> frodo and sam share a secret kiss <gasps> they should though honestly honestly they shine. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were trying a little too hard in the movies where Sam had a thing for Rosie. We all know, know that Sam had a thing for Frodo. He had a thing for Frodo. Come on. Oh, speaking of which. Yeah. You sent me a quiz. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a BuzzFeed quiz. It's a BuzzFeed quiz. Which Lord of the Rings character are you? Mm hmm <sighs> Who did you get? I got Frodo. Did you? And that's not who you wanted? That's not who I wanted. I even tried to kind of stack it by, like, really going for the elves. <laughs> okay, because you wanted to get Legolas or, like... Legolas or Galadriel or, or Arwen like or somebody. That. Yeah. Okay. I got Legolas. <gasps> and I'm not a big fan of the elves, personally. I really... You want to switch? Yeah, let's switch. <laughs> I really enjoy the Hobbit outlook on life. <laughs> Like, let's Hobbits, just be cozy. Hobbits are the Hufflepuffs of The Lord of the Rings. Honestly, yeah. I like them, and I like the Ents, too. I think those are my two I favorites. did also, I would have been fine with getting an Ent. Yeah. Like, if I got you know, tree I beard, nature. I wouldn't be, like, into that. Yeah. Because, again, I like, like, that slow pace of life. You just take your time. <laughs> Live. Enjoy. I love a good, like, cozy little hobbit hole. Like, you just have, like, a warm fire. You talk about, like, a fire. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a nice wine to sit by the fire. Oh, this is totally a hobbit wine. Eat a nice hot potato. <laughs> taters. That's right. Rattus taters. Oh, that's a good golem. Thank you. You have to do the rest of the podcast as golem. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the basic plot of Lord of the Rings is that there's this evil Lord Sauron who created one ring to rule over all the other magic rings that had been created to rule over, like, men and elves and dwarves and to conquer Middle-earth and be a bad guy, basically. Which, as much as I would pour over that encyclopedia, I was never really clear on how that worked. The power of good jewelry, Topher. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can get behind that. Right? That's one of the reasons I love the elves. Oh, yeah. They have they have a good look to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aesthetically. I could see you in a long street blonde wig, too. Yeah. I almost wore my, my elven crown today. You should have. But you didn't get Legolas. I did, so. Yeah. If you brought it, I would have worn it. I also almost dressed up like a hobbit and had the waistcoat with an ascot. <gasps> that would have been really cute, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I dressed um, hobbity. <laughs> I dressed for comfort. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well, I am wearing my little leaf necklace. Oh, you are. I gave you that. You sure did. That's kind of like my Lord of the Ringsy necklace. Mm-hmm. My little leaf at the neck. It's your necklace of power. Yes. It does sometimes speak to me about conquering the world, living forever. But you know what? <laughs> like shh, hushed up. <laughs> yeah. So this ring eventually gets into the hands of Bilbo Baggins, who is a hobbit. Gandalf realizes this and then is then able to convince him to give it to his nephew Frodo to destroy. So Frodo has to go on this epic journey to destroy it because he has to throw it in the in Mountain Doom where it was created. In the fires of Mordor. Yeah. So he's got to go there. His hobbit friend slash lover, Samwise, joins him <laughs> along with two other hobbits, Merry and Pippin, who really are like the comic fine. relief. Yeah. And then, of course, Gandalf the wizard is there. They're joined by men, elves, and dwarves. So Aragorn and Boromir are the men. Legolas is the elf and Gimli is the dwarf and they like help along this journey. So it's really, it's essentially a story of good versus evil. It's essentially D&D. Well, and that's where a lot of D&D stuff came from. Really? Yeah, because, mm -hmm, because Tolkien, when this book came out, obviously fantasy was already a thing, right? And Tolkien was drawing on a lot of traditional European myths and stories that had already existed. So it's not like he came up with this idea of an elf or dwarf or wizard, you know, whatever. But he was drawing a lot of these. And because of the popularity of the stories and because they were so well written, too, that really sparked this whole fantasy genre. And Gary Gygax, who created D&D, he pulled on these common elements and myths from Lord of the Rings to kind of popularize D&D. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. It is That's interesting. really cool. Yeah. Let's fill up our glasses. Okay. Is it time? For a full glass of wine? Yeah, it is time. Thank you. This is really a hefty bottle. It is. It's a, it's got some weight. I think it'd make a cute vase. It would make a cute vase. Yeah. Vaws, if you will. Vaws, if you're British. If you're British. From London. (laughs) Why don't any of the harvests talk like that? Oi, Frodo. Oi, Frodo. That's a ring, isn't it? I saw a tweet recently about, like, why is it that these fantasy things always have British accents? Yeah. Why can't it be, like, an appellation? Like, elf. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, I think this is because Lord of the Rings. It really popularized this idea of fantasy and fantasy through a Western European, specifically like British yeah. lens, even though it was filmed in New Zealand. So they should have all had New Zealand accents. Wouldn't that have been cuter? <laughs> that would have been cute. Did you ever watch Flight of the Concords? No. Okay. It was like an early 2000s show on HBO. And it's a real music duo with Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie. And they're from New Zealand. And Brett... He was actually an extra in Lord of the Rings, and he mm. played an elf. And it so in the in the show, they kind of poke fun at that, where they have a song called "Frodo, Don't Wear the Ring," <laughs> <laughs> and they have a line in the song in the show like, "I'm not rapping about bitches and hoes. I'm rapping about witches and trolls." Nice. Yeah, just cute. All right, are you ready? Okay. All your answers must be in Elvish or in Gollum's voice. I'll let you choose. Ithnovar. Iknamanika. Topher, you won the quiz. Yay! Cheers to you. All right, so these are going to be open-ended questions. There are 10 of them. Okay. 
Some of the questions are about the film specifically. Okay. <clears throat> Some are just about like kind of books. Some are just kind of like general pop culture Lord of the Rings questions. All right. All right. Do you want me to pick the numbers for you or do you want to pick? I want to pick. Okay, you pick. One. Mm. Okay. So which actor initially read for the role of Gandalf, but, quote, didn't understand it? Oh, I feel like I know this. You're gonna When I tell you the answer, you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Now, there are several people who, like, did read for Gandalf, but this actor is like, I just, I never understood Lord of the Rings. Patrick Stewart. Oh, no, he would have been a good Gandalf. No. Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yes. Yeah. Which, he would not have been a good Gandalf. No. No. He's James Bond. Right. All right, next number. Ten. Okay. This music group originally wanted to make a Lord of the Rings film and star in it. Hmm. Oh, your tummy is talking. <laughs> My tummy says, hmm. Hmm. Queen. Hmm. Who would Freddie Mercury have played? Galadriel. Yes. I can see. Really good guess, but no. I'll give you one more try. It is a British group, so you're in the right area. The Rolling Stones. Oh, no. The Beatles. The Beatles wanted to do it. Yes. Really? <laughs> how funny. Like, how would that have worked? Well, John Lennon would have been Gandalf. Oh, okay. Paul McCartney would have been Frodo. Okay. Ringo Starr would have been Mary. I was going to say Gimli. <laughs> Gimli? Okay. Yeah. And then George Harrison could have been Legolas. Yeah? Yeah. So no Mary and Pippin in this version. Unfortunately not, no. Okay, did you, as a teenager, when you watched Lord of the Rings, the film version? Yeah. Did you find Mary and Pippin strangely attractive? No. Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're like, crazy talk, no. Why would you even bring that up, Rachel? That's so weird. <laughs> That's uh, so who who would who would have that? He has a fetish for short little people with hairy feet, not over. <laughs> no, God no. <laughs> no, it was Aragorn for me. Oh God, so typical. Were you into Legolas? Yeah, I was After into Mary Legolas. After Mary and Pippin, I was so into Legolas. I don't like blonde hair on men. I know. Hot take. I apparently so. <laughs> and I've never found Orlando Bloom attractive, even in the leaked pics of him with. Katy Perry, where not, he's... Not, he's not my thing. <laughs> Your gut has something to say about it. I mean, he's got a really big penis. Okay, so do other people. He always just looks so wooden, and I'm not talking about... <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he does. No, I don't think he's a good actor. <gasps> I don't. <gasps> I'm sorry, Orlando Bloom. <sighs> Hate to break it to you. Well. Well. That's what it is. All right, next number. Two. Okay. Tell me some of the other famous people who were up for the role, like seriously up for the role of Aragorn before I went to Viggo Mortensen. <sighs> Not like someone who was like, yeah, my agent sent me the script and I was going to audition, but I never did. Tom Cruise. Oh, no. Vin Diesel. Yes. Yes? Yes. Take a drink. <laughs> He actually auditioned for it, and Peter Jackson said, like, he had a really compelling audition, but, like, he just couldn't picture him as Aragorn. I couldn't either. Right? <laughs> just not. <laughs> yeah. Nicolas Cage was also God, offered the no. role. I know. Stuart Townsend, who I don't really know super well, he was actually cast 
and was like in the process of like rehearsals and all these things. But he was fired like right before they started filming. Wasn't Stuart Townsend Dorian Gray? Yeah, he was. So he's basically just a pretty boy version of Viggo Mortensen's mm-hmm. Aragorn. Exactly. But Peter Jackson said like he needed an older actor. Actor. Oops. The wine's getting me. Here we go. To portray Aragorn. So that's why Viggo Mortensen got it. And honestly, I think Viggo Mortensen did an amazing job. He did a really good job. He did a really good job. He was super in character all the time, too. He would stay in character constantly, which I find really annoying. But whatever works for you, I guess. So if Viggo Mortensen, like, okay. Yeah, he would, like, going through, like, drive-thrus with his, like, sword. Oh, yeah. He would, like, famously carry his sword around everywhere with him. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that in, I have to say this, I have to say this to you. Boyfriend made me promise, <laughs> let's see this, that in The Two Towers, when he kicks the helmet and he lets out that scream, it's because when he kicked it, he actually broke two of his toes. <gasps> it was a real scream. That's amazing. Did you know that? I didn't. Oh my God, I get to tell you that? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so that's become one of those nerdy mansplaining things. It's almost become a meme. Oh, really? It's like, yeah, where it's like the guy who's like showing his girlfriend Lord of the Rings for the first time was like, did you know that when he kicks the helmet, he actually broke his foot? <laughs> so when boyfriend and I were rewatching the films this past week, when we got to that scene, we both turned to each other and said at the same time, we're like, did you know that he actually broke his foot? That's funny. And he was like, you have to ask Topher. I was like, Topher's going to know that. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving myself a point for that. <sighs> You also have a point, so we're tied. Okay. Okay. Next number. Nine. Okay. So Lord of the Rings was like super big in pop culture in the 60s and 70s. Can you tell me one of those like big pop culture moments where it showed up? Where it showed up? Yeah. When they then made, like people were reading the books. When they made the 70s version of the animated film. Okay. Well, I already mentioned that, so that doesn't count. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know that I understand the question. That's on you. <laughs> Not because I worded it really weird. <laughs> also, just bang my teeth on the glass of wine. <laughs> Do you know that when you let out that scream, it was because you actually banged your tooth on the yeah, glass? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, God, for real. So I'll give you a hint. You can think of some songs, some musical artists, if you want to. Inya has a song that's called... From the 60s or 70s? No, no. it's from the 90s. Okay, go ahead and finish. But it's called Lothlorien, mm. which is where Galadriel lives. That is where Galadriel lives. Toriamis named her daughter, her daughter's middle name is Lorien. Lorien? So, mm-hmm. Nice. From That's actually really pretty. I think it is a good name, like Lorien. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say you get this one wrong. <laughs> so, you know Leonard Nimoy from Star Trek? Yeah. He had a song called The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Wait, what? It's a weird-ass song. I he listened was a singer? To Nope. Okay. <laughs> Not really. Okay. <laughs> I listened to it on the way to get you, and I was like, this is fucking bizarre. But it was popular? Yeah, it came out in 67. It was popular. There was also this whole thing of having stickers and pins and bumper stickers on your car that says Frodo lives. That was the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, the band Led Zeppelin? Yeah. So they have a couple of songs in which they reference Lord of the Rings, most famously in the song Ramble On, where they're talking about like Gollum and like having to go to Mordor and like all these things. Huh. 
It doesn't really make sense in the terms of the rest of the song, but I think that's because of drugs. A lot of things back then were because drugs. drugs. Yeah. All right, next number. Three. Okay. Which actor in Lord of the Rings films actually had met Tolkien? Ian McKellen. Really good guess. No. Um, um, uh, Christopher Lee. Yes! Celebratory sip. I'll give it to you. So I love this story so much. So Christopher Lee actually ran into Tolkien in the 1950s at a pub in Oxford. Oh, fun. And I guess had enough of an interaction to, like, say hi and talk or whatever. And Christopher Lee fucking loves the books. Well, he loved. He's dead now. Sorry, Christopher Lee. Oh, is he dead now? Yeah, he died a few years ago. He would read them every year, like once a year for every, like every year. So it's like reading them over 50 times. Yeah. And when he found out that they were making films of the books, he originally wanted to play Gandalf. Like, that was his his big goal. But then he realized he might be, like, a little too old for some of the, like, physicality and the fighting scenes of Gandalf. So he was cast as Saruman. Instead. Which he's iconic he, as Saruman. Yes. Such a good job as, as Saruman. So good. Yeah. Also, I think Saruman has a better staff than Gandalf's. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like that opalescent mm-hmm. gem in there. So boyfriend and I had a whole discussion the other night about it. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, his staff is cooler. Sorry. Villains always have a better aesthetic. Than the protagonists. They do. It's it's more like severe and streamlined. Like whereas the heroes usually have like a cozier aesthetic, mm-hmm. which in real life I'll pick the cozier one. Not me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who the villain of this podcast is. Yeah, we sure do. <gasps> Slithering all the way. That's right. All right, next number. Um, eight. Okay. This is just kind of a random, weird, fun fact. Okay. What? word to Tolkien coin that has like nothing in my mind nothing to do with like mythology or fantasy what word did but it's a coin? word we use now to describe people of a certain age wasps wasps aren't of a certain age that's true curmudgeon oh fun but no pick up your drink because you're wrong tween tween really yes <laughs> So he used it originally to describe hobbits who were between the ages of 20 and 33. Like a younger, more immature hobbit. We use that for like 11 to 12 year olds. Yeah, you need to fill up because you're losing. I am losing. <laughs> Thank you. Interesting. So tween. Tween. Yeah. Huh. Here, I thought that was like a really recent term. I thought it was too because I don't remember like really hearing that word until the past decade or so. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Tolkien. Thanks, Tolkien. Next number. I just did eight. Mm-hmm. Four. Okay. I'm almost marking these off as wrong before I read them. Oh, my you. God. But I'm not. I have a little faith in me. Jeez. Over. All right. Blank was used as extras in the writers of Rohan scene. Blank was mm-hmm. used? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene in the film? Yeah. Okay. Riders of Rohan. Yeah. Where a bunch of people on horseback are like, oh, we're coming in to fight. Yeah. Don't understand the question again. Blank. People were used to They were people. Get more specific. Rugby players. Oh. I know that rugby players were used in the Minds of Moria scene, where you, in the soundtrack, where you hear the, they got actual rugby players to come in and do that because, you know, they've got, I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, that was one of my questions. That's the next question on here. Um, 
and we'll go back to this one I was originally asking you. That was the Urukai chant at the Battle of Helm's Deep that was recorded by cricket fans in a stadium. Oh, fun. They like projected it phonetically up on the big screens that they wanted people to say, and then that's what they use. How funny. So I'm going to give you that point just because you knew it already. All right, but back to this one. Polo players. Oh, that's a good guess. No. No? No. They used mostly women, and they just put fake beards on them. Really? It, yeah. A very, like, reverse Shakespearean. I know. Apparently, they're... It's called pulling a reverse Shakespeare. Is it? Yeah. Coined by Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, like, a casting call. Like, oh, we need people who are, like, professional horseback riders. And a lot of women showed up, and they are like, all right, let's glue some beards on you. That's amazing. Yeah, so when you watch that scene in the film, it's mostly women actors. I love that. Yeah, isn't that cool? That is cool. One woman was so dedicated. She just, like, rode her horse, like, from her ranch, I guess. Like, to the filming location. I was like, I'm here. Got my horse. Ready to go. Ready to go. And they're like, okay, you got it. <laughs> you got oh. it. Yeah. How are you going to say no to that? Right? That's amazing. <laughs> what if you, like, showed up on, like, a real broke down looking, like, donkey, though? And you're like, here I am. <laughs> I remember when I was watching, like, the bonus material, talking about, speaking of extras, mm -hmm. how, like, during the battle scenes, you've got to make it look like there are thousands and thousands of yeah. people, but there clearly are not. Right. And so the extras started playing games with the actors mm -hmm. to see how many times they were killed that day. Oh, funny. Because they would get killed and then the camera would pan somewhere and yeah. then they would like regroup and then like. Be a different fighter somewhere yeah, else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, something really cool about filming was that they didn't shoot each film separately. They kind of shot all three of the films congruently, mm -hmm. which I think is cool. You know the one scene where, like, Frodo and Sam are arguing, and Frodo's like, just go home, Sam. Nobody likes you. Famously, those are his words. Yeah. You're a loser, Sam. Sam, God. Gosh, Sam, I'm not in love with you. You're so Gosh. creepy into me. Back off. That was like over a year of filming. Wow. Because they would have to wait for the weather to get kind of overcast. And they would film some of Sean Aston's lines and then some of Elijah Wood's lines. So like when you wow. watch it, it's just like a few minutes, but it's actually like over the span of a year. <laughs> My stomach is surprised by that. It is surprised by that. But I think that's cool that they were more concerned with filming on location to get a certain effect than like, oh, we're going to film this film separately and this film and then this film separately. Yeah. Because the films came out just like a year apart. Right. You could tell, okay, it was clearly planned out as, as a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Even though Miramax, the producers of the film by the Weinstein brothers, which, boo. Boo. They were like, no, we only want to do two films. And Peter Jackson was like, uh, but there are three books. There are three books, yeah. There are three books, you dummies. So he started, like, shopping around other production studios. And then when there's interest, Miramax was like, okay, we'll do three. Fine. Fine. All right. You got eight right. No, you got number six right. Sorry. All right. go. We have five and seven left. Seven. Okay. So, you know, in the Fellowship of the Ring, right? I'm making a ring sign. Because clearly people can see this. <laughs> so the actors who were in the fellowship all got blank. Dysentery. <sighs> no, not dysentery. They all got something fun. Something fun? Yeah. <gasps> Lice checks. <laughs> no, Topher, it's only fun for you. <laughs> I think that you would really enjoy a lice check. 
as an adult. Are you saying something? No, I'm just I'm saying that you would enjoy. Are a you life seeing check. some movement on my scalp right now? You looked at it too. You're like, I don't know. Is there? <laughs> I saw your eyes. You broke eye contact. You're like, I don't know. Let me <laughs> take a drink because you're mean. <laughs> I don't know. What did they get? Matching tattoos. Really? Except for Jonathan Reese davies who played Gimli. His extra, um, her stunt double got it. He didn't get it. But yeah, all nine of them got matching tattoos. That's really experience. fun. Yeah, I think that's sweet. Would you do that? Yes. Oh, for sure, yeah. Hands down, yeah. Now, they were all face tattoos. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm making that sweet, sweet Lord of the Rings money. Hey, whatever, right? All right, final question. Five. Yes, that is number five. Good job remembering your numbers. Take a step. So I mentioned the producers, Miramax, the Weinstein brothers. They originally wanted to do two terrible, like, major changes to the films. Just tell me, like, one of them. They wanted to make it so that Frodo and Sam weren't gay. Mm. And for a bonus, mm. Arwen was going to be played by Gina Gershon. <gasps> I don't think she could pull it off. I don't think so either. And that's why they ended up not Casting doing her. it. Yeah, they scrapped it. Yeah. Well, it was actually interesting because Ashley Judd was actually up for the role of Arwen. Really? For real. Yeah. But then they, the brothers were shit talking her to Peter Jackson. And Mira Servino could have also been up for it. But they also like shit talked her to Peter Jackson. So the role ended up going to Liv Tyler. Do you know that when her father saw the movie, he asked her who dubbed her voice? Oh my God, Steven Tyler's such an idiot. <laughs> she was like, Dad. He's so stupid. <laughs> she didn't know that he was like her biological dad for a long time. I remember hearing that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, those aren't the answers, though. Damn it. I don't know. Oh, on a side note, though, I do have the lipstick that was supposedly the color that Liv Tyler wore in the films. Mm. And it's really flattering. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the producers originally wanted, take a sip, another one. Another one? Yes. You sip too soon. They originally wanted one of the hobbits to die. They told Peter Jackson, like, we don't care which one. You can figure that out. But, like, one of the hobbits needs to die. And then they also wanted Frodo just, like, straight out, like, kill Gollum in the Mordor scene. So, basically, they wanted to change the entire storyline. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad that Peter Jackson didn't do that. Me too. Because Frodo's not like, a murderer, first of all. Right. Like, that would have gone against Frodo's nature. And also, the whole point of Gollum is showing how obsession will lead to your downfall. Yeah. Not like someone's going to yeet you into a volcano on purpose. Right. Like, what's the lesson to be learned there? <sighs> right. Stupid Miramax. I know. But the films aren't good, though. Yeah, they're so they're good. They're so good. So and good. the special effects hold up. They really do. So you got three out of ten. So I won? Sure. Yay! Yay, Tiffer. Yay. Yeah, the films really hold up. Now, have you seen the newer Hobbit films? I have. They're not. They're not as good. They're not as good. So, first of all, you're stretching The Hobbit, which is a shorter story, into three films just as a pure money grab. That's what I thought. I was like, why yes. are we doing this? Literally, the last film is one chapter in The Hobbit. Right. No, and I, I like the story of The Hobbit. Like, I enjoyed it. So I was excited for the films. And, like, they're fine to watch in the background, but they're not. 
Yeah. And the special effects, they went too heavy. They were, yes, way too heavy. Like, the like orcs. Orlando Bloom younger. They and, gave him blue eyes yeah. in The Hobbit. I'm like, yeah, because boyfriend and I were watching it last night, and I was like, does Orlando Bloom have blue eyes as Legolas in the original films? And he was like, I don't think so. I was like, I don't think so either. I don't think he did. No. I'm like, why are you changing his eye color? Yeah, they went, like, really heavy on the CGI instead of doing special effects, and it's just not as compelling. Terry's got stuff to say about it. Agrees. Agrees. Now, have you watched the newer Amazon series? I didn't finish it, but I have watched some of the Rings of Power. Okay. What are your thoughts on it? It didn't grab me as much. I like seeing the world. Same. And I actually like seeing more of Galadriel's story. Yeah. Too, and like her, her origin, besides just being like this creepy, ethereal, mystical person. But it doesn't feel like it's actually Galadriel. Not yet. They're going to get more into it. You think? Oh, yeah. They're going to they're gonna film more. It was over like a billion dollars. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. And filming costs for the first. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think of it? I liked it fine. I don't think it was as interesting or compelling as Lord of the Ring films. Same. But, I mean, I'll watch it. I yeah. think it's fine. I like I like seeing all those fantasy sets and costumes and, and stuff. Yeah, same. That's really appealing to me. And I like the dwarves in the Amazon series, too. I also like that there are some people of color in this fantasy world, which, you know, the original, pretty white. That's because they didn't exist in Tolkien's world, colonizer. Well, see that... Let's talk about Tolkien again. Okay. And some of the criticisms of Lord of the Rings. So some people criticized Tolkien's his works and him personally as being like too white, too Western. Mm. And kind of promoting like this ideal of Western Europe and whiteness as like the good versus the othering and the darker races is like bad, which I think that's a valid criticism. Are the other races darker? Well, you think about the orcs and like the uruk and they're portrayed as being dark-skinned mm. people. Creatures, I guess. They're not like humans. And the... Whoa. One note over no. Whoa. Because they're not human race. They're different race. <laughs> See, here's the thing about races, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that's a valid criticism as all the heroes are white and the bad guys are darker skin. Like, I yeah. think I think there is something to that. I don't think Tolkien necessarily did that intentionally. I don't think so either. But I also think it was a product of his time. Well, he was also doing something that was literally based off of Western mythology. He was. So, I mean, you have to kind of take that into account as yeah. well, I feel like. Now, what's interesting, though, is that in the books, the hobbits are described as being, like, darker skinned. Oh, really? Whereas in the films, they're pretty white. So I wonder if if he had been alive when the films were made, like, what he would have thought of that interpretation. Hmm. Or if that would have meant anything to him. We should watch the films again. <gasps> and drink. Every time there's a white person left, <laughs> we would and be dead. And get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> and get a Ouija board. <gasps> and contact Tolkien. Yeah. Done. But you have to contact him in Elvish. God damn it. So you still That's aren't getting out of learning spell. Elvish. We have to get an Elvish Ouija board. <laughs> now, on the other on the other side of it, Tolkien did, there are some themes in Lord of the Rings about, like, defeating these oppressive forces. And a lot of those were kind of directly a result of his experiences in World War One and from World War Two, like Nazism as well. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of decrying this person who wants absolute power and who forces others to do their bidding Blah, blah, blah. So I think 
in that regard. I don't think Tolkien necessarily had bad intentions. No, I don't think so. I do think, you know, as an upper middle class white guy, that you just had a very limited perspective. So a little bit out of touch, but not malicious. No, yeah, I would say that. What about you? I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that he was trying to write something very specific and Mm -hmm. he didn't have any kind of ill intentions, but he also didn't have any intention to expand on. It's not like he was trying to write something inclusive, but he also wasn't trying to write something exclusive. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And again, I think like, okay, thinking about the product of his time and like the early to mid 20th century, that's kind of what I would expect from an author of that time. I mean, he wrote a queer storyline, so I can't really complain personally. A lot of people have issues with that, too. (laughs) But to me, obviously, Sam is obviously in love with Frodo. Frodo, I think, is a little more asexual. Yeah. Where Sam is in love with Frodo. Yeah. And the whole Rosie thing, I'm like, okay, she's a beard for you, Sam. We get it. Exactly. We get it. (laughs) And also, the girl you saw once at the beer hall is your real true love. Come on. You were drunk then, dude. Right. Drunk on that mead. If we all married somebody we saw once at a bar, oh my God. (laughs) We would be divorced. Yes, we would be. (laughs) No, it's it's interesting his influences in the story. So obviously they're like very heavy Christian undertones to Lord of the Rings, even though they're kind of like three different Christ-like figures. So Gandalf is one, right? He dies and he comes back fighting evil. Aragorn is one too. He's revealed to be like the one true king from like a humble origin Mm kind of thing. And then Frodo is one too, like this idea of like selfless sacrifice. Even though Frodo doesn't die. Yeah, so how much sacrifice was there really? Really, Frodo, be honest. He, like, went on a really cool hike. Yeah, you just went hiking. (laughs) With your best friend, I mean. Best friend. (laughs) With your roommate. With my buddy hike. We do hikes as bros. (laughs) So there are obviously, like, Christian influences to it. Now, do you feel like Lord of the Rings is as or more Christian than... The Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, no. Nar- Narnia is much more Christian. Yeah, much I would, more agree, I would agree with that. Which is actually interesting because C.S. Lewis actually converted to Christianity because of Tolkien's religious beliefs. Really? Yeah, he did. I did not know that. Yeah, because Lewis was pretty much atheist for a long time until he and Tolkien became good friends. But instead of becoming Catholic, he was like, I'm going to join Church of England. Tolkien's like, oh, no, wait, actually, <laughs> don't. I mean, be Catholic. <laughs> but whatever. No, Narnia is much more Christian. And not as not as well thought out as the world as Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, Lord of the Rings is a better fantasy story than Chronicles of Narnia. I wouldn't say it's better. It's just more complex. and More complex, it, and I think, makes more sense. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love Narnia. Like, that was, like, my childhood go-to yeah. book series. But I think Lord of the Rings is just much more rich. And, you know, it's like a richer, fuller world that makes sense. In it's and more involved. It is. And Narnia is kind of like, um, I guess this thing happens because this magic one time. You know, you know, you get it. Yeah, I feel like Narnia appeals more to kids. It is. It's a children's story, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tolkien also drew, obviously, from like European myths and folktales from Finnish epic poetry, which is pretty cool. And Beowulf, too. It was. Yeah, Gotta get that I mean, Beowulf in there. You can see those influences for sure. Yeah. When it came out, it had some mixed reviews. Even though, you know the poet W.H. Auden? No. Okay, well, he was a famous poet. Okay. He loved 
Lord of the Rings. And he was also a former student of Tolkien's. Oh. Which I think is real sweet. So he was a brown noser. Former student. He didn't need those grades anymore. <laughs> he was done. Listen, once a student, always a student. Don't tell me that you wouldn't just love anything that one of your former professors Oh, did. I would. You know I would. Except for one <laughs> professor who I don't like. <laughs> we'll talk about that on a sidebar one time. But yeah, it became fairly popular once it came out in the mid-50s and kind of kept its popularity for a long time. It's sold over 150 million copies. Just a lot. And the films have grossed over like three billion combined, which is a lot too. We talked about the Amazon prequel mm-hmm. that's out now, and they're gonna make some more seasons of it. There's also talk too of Warner Brothers making some new Lord of the Rings films, which I don't know how Why? I feel about that. Yeah, that's kind of my thought. Like the films are 20 years old at this point, which is pretty old. I don't wanna talk about that. Yeah, well, you're old and we need to. <laughs> Time for AARP, Tiffer. Yay. Who would you cast now in Lord of the Rings? Now? Mm-hmm. Still Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Timeless. Timeless. Wow, now that I think about it, she really hasn't aged that much in 20 years. She's had some good, subtle work done. Yeah, seriously. Living... Good, too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question, as I think the most important role is Frodo. Yeah. Obviously, and it's so hard to think of anybody except for Elijah Wood yeah. in that role. Yeah. Elijah Wood went all out for his audition tape for it, too. Like Really? Oh, yeah. Like, he got super into it, went out into the woods to film his audition for it and everything. Which I was like, that's a smart move. Because mm-hmm. I, like you said, I can't imagine another person. He did so good. Even though he doesn't have the best British accent. Yeah. You kind of don't even care. Because it's fantasy. How British does it have to be, really? How British does it have to be? Right? I can't think of anybody else but Ian McKellen. Thank you. As Gandalf. Same. Maybe my childhood cat. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my God. What if it was all, all cats? cats? I was about to say. Trademark. But Andrew Lloyd Webber cannot be involved. No, it is not the musical cats. We're just casting actual cats as the characters. However, Lord of the Rings, the musical. Now, they did try to make a Lord of the Rings West End play after the films came out, and it just did not do well. This was like back in 2010 or something. How do you capture the magic of that, but for the so stage? That's like, yeah, like, how do you do a real fantasy story on st- I don't think it... Especially when it's an space. epic. Right. Right. Like, I just, it's not going to carry over well. No. Yeah. I don't, excuse me. That was Topher. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was me. I don't think you can do new films. I think you'd have to wait a longer period of time before redoing the films. Now, they're also talking about doing an HBO series of Harry Potter. Right. Which I would appreciate having a longer version of each book. Yeah. Where you get all those details. And I think that could work really well for Lord of the Rings if they did. Excuse you, Trevor. They did a miniseries. <laughs> but yeah, again, but doing casting, new films doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the ca- I just get so hung up on the casting. Because in my mind, Viggo Mortensen is Aragorn. Even though Liv I like Tyler him. is Arwen. Arwen. Yeah. I just don't know how you can recast that and people be like yeah. okay i buy it even billy boyd as mary they did a good job i just ugh. saruman i know christopher lee's dad what are you gonna do i just i, I don't want to see it i don't want yeah to i'm see not it. interested now if it came out another 20 years maybe be like okay let's see 
know, because that point they would be much older. But in my mind, like the Lord of the Rings films are only like a few years old. Yeah, same. <laughs> not like 20 years old. <laughs> 20 years is not long enough to do a remake, in my it's opinion. Not. Same You're for the Harry Potter. Like it's not long enough. Yeah. Well, with the Harry Potter thing, it's not necessarily a remake because they're doing a mini series rather than just like if it was new films. But it's that still would be the same thing. story, though. They're not doing like a different part of the story. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know, like Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. Or, or would you want him to be Fredo and Elijah Wood as Harry Potter? Oh. oh, there we go. There we go. Or we just have a crossover episode. Honestly, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? It would be fun. <laughs> Harry Potter somehow finds himself in Middle Earth. Yes. He gets like a time turner or something from Dumbledore and goes back to Middle Earth. Is, is Middle Earth just a long time ago? Yeah. <laughs> you, you said it with your whole chest, so I believe it. I mean, don't you think, though? Don't you think? Topher, don't you think? I thought that it was like a different place altogether. Sure, but it's like a parallel universe where if you just get like a wormhole, you can just go bloop back and forth. Bloop, yeah. You just bloop yourself over. Yeah. See, here's what I don't like about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, because it's like a long time ago, but clearly it's in a in galaxy the far, far away. But clearly it's futuristic because of spaceships. They have better technology than we do. A long time ago? I don't think so. That's not how time works. Humans, humans are not the best. Are you saying they're not human? They're aliens, obviously. <gasps> Topher, xenophobic. <laughs> okay, Miss Ork. Miss Ura, hi. Have you seen those cute videos where somebody who has like a, a black cat or a black dog will like put their hand in flower and put it on the animal's forehead and they play like the Urukai like no, chance in the background? That's really it's cute. It's so cute. I want to do it with one of my dogs. Yes. <laughs> Boyfriend's like, she's just gonna lick the flower off of herself. I'm like, that's fine. She will probably, but that's fine. Whatever. We'll all have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> do we have fake names for the dogs too? What are their names? Oh, here's a good question. So boyfriend and I were talking like what kind of character our dogs would be. We decided the one dog is an elf and the other dog is a dwarf. Okay, well, obviously. The uh, tall dog is elf. Tall dog is elf, yeah. Yes, and the other dog's a dwarf. Yeah. Because she's aggressive and she likes to eat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what about your puppy? My puppy's probably an Urukai. <gasps> no! <laughs> Why? Because he's actually my puppy's a golem. Because he's the blue tricky. eye. Oh, and he loves riddles. Mm -hmm. These riddles three. <laughs> Always asking me these riddles three. I'm like, ah. honestly, it's like enough dog. Like, I have to leave for work. Clever. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Stop blocking the door, God. Jeez. What would you be? I mean, I know you want to be an elf. Yeah, well, I am an elf. Okay, fine. What would Fact Checker be? Fact Checker would be a hobbit. Let's be real. Okay, because he's hairy. Well, and also just loves to eat, wants to be cozy. Okay. Loves to garden. Mm, he, do he does love to garden. Yeah. Boyfriend would be a dwarf. He's very adamant about that. <laughs> he collects shiny things, Yes, too. have you seen his office with his it's collection true. of minis? It's true. Those are his version of shiny things. True, true. Again, I will, I like the hobbit life or the ent life. I feel like you'd be a good Rosie. You'd be a bar wench. I got the bosoms. Yeah. 
I sent out pictures for my birthday. Of my bosoms? Of your bosoms. Oh, no. There was a picture of Fact Checker's meal, mm-hmm. my meal, uh-huh. and your boobs. Yes. Thank you. And I sent that to... That was uh, boyfriend's meal. Some of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> boyfriend's meal. Oh, my. Oh, my. No, we had a good time that night. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. All right. Any other tastes from the wine? It's less chocolatey now mm. um, on the, the nose mm-hmm. and more fruit forward. Okay. I'm getting more plum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Less cherry. Less cherry, more plum. Okay. You know what's interesting is that Kapsovs can often have a green pepper oh. sort of flavor uh-huh. to them. And I'm not getting that at all with this. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's just this very lush, plush kind of flavor. Mm. It's really nice. I like it. I love it. It's cozy. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Let's drink it. Let's drink it. Okay. Are we ready? I think so. Okay. How do you want to do this? Are we doing them separately or together? Let's do it all together. Okay. Fuck it. All right. Let's do it all together. Sit, countdown and, and Elvish. <laughs> I'm going to make you learn something in Elvish. Ilf. Night. Gri. Is that really how you say one, two, three? I have no idea. Okay, you fooled me though. Hi, <laughs> Dan, so far. Look at you. All right. Sumner is going to correct us. Whatever. Three. Mm hmm. Two. Mm hmm. One, not, not guilty. guilty. Yeah, this is delightful wine, delightful story. Yeah. Good fun romp with two queer people. That's right. They're just friends, though. Honestly, Legolas and Gimli could be queer, too. See, and that's what Boyfriend and I said. <laughs> like, they have a cute little love story, too. Enemies mm-hmm. to lovers. Mm, there you go. I like to picture that they live happily ever after. Yeah. Together in a mountain, but that it's forested. So they can go underground for Gimli and his dwarf mining shit. But they can also go above ground and shoot bows and arrows for Legolas. Like there's a cave that has a treehouse on top of it. Exactly. You get it. Yeah. A little pulley elevator to go up. (laughs) You get it. I get it. I get it. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this wine is really fun. It's great for a cozy night in. Mm -hmm. If you want to watch the Lord of the Rings films, crack open this bottle of wine. Yeah. Have fun. It's also great for bath time if you want to, like, read the Lord of the Rings books and have a nice little candlelit bath. Yeah. And you don't have to be in the water to read it either. That's just a choice Topher and I enjoy. (laughs) No, you have to be. Okay, sorry. You have to be. Sorry. Everyone knows that Lord of the Rings trilogy is an aquatic experience. Actually, when I first read The Hobbit, I do think I read it in the bathtub exclusively. (laughs) (laughs) You and I have always loved a good bath in a book. It's Let's be true. real. It's true. <gasps> Did we just start any business? Bath in a book? Bath in a book. <gasps> With bath bombs and it's a bookstore. Yes. Trademarked. Trademarked. But you can do the work. We'll just benefit if you want to. That's fine. Yeah. We'll just get like 50%. Open your own franchise and yes. send us the money. Exactly. That's how franchises work, right? Basically. We understand the corporate world. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please listen in to some of our other literary or Whatever episode you feel like. Yeah, we've done Poe. Yeah. We've done... Dracula. We've done Jack London. Yeah. And others. Et Alia. You go and explore our back catalogs. Yes. Not because we can't remember everything. (laughs) We need to wrap this up. Okay. This was a great wine, great time, great wine. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you have any questions for us oh, or yeah. comments or concerns, especially if they involve Rachel, mm. you can contact us at True Crimes Against Wine, Gmail, and TikTok. Instagram and Facebook. And if you send us in a question for a sidebar, we'll send you some swag. Yeah. If you send a criticism, we probably won't acknowledge it. Let's be real. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.